What an incredible time we've had together already. And I can't wait to get into today's teaching, but I do want to pause for a second. I know we've had people pop online since we started and just say welcome. We're thrilled you're here. If you haven't done it yet, go ahead and say something in the comments below. Say hello. Let us know where you're watching from. We've got a lot of people in Georgia, but literally every week we have people around the world. And so especially if you're watching from some other part of the country or the world, we'd love to know that as well. But one of the things I love about days like today is it feels like a fresh start. It really does. There's something about a new year that feels like we get to start with a clean slate. We've got a clean calendar. We've got a clean to-do list. It seems like there's an opportunity for something more. In fact, Pastor Chuck and I have been talking about this over the last month or so that we really believe that the best is yet to come. Now, I don't know if you believe that or not, but I know there's a little bit of cynicism whenever somebody says something like the best is yet to come, where in our mind, maybe that sounds cliche or maybe it sounds sort of surface level. But in this world that's so full of negativity and in a world that's so full of half glass full kind of thinking, I just want to be the kind of person that's optimistic. I want to be the kind of person that believes that our God is the God of the possible and that God can do anything. God can absolutely do anything. Is the past important? Absolutely. But is the future bright? I sure believe it. I want to be the kind of person that's a glass half full, not half empty kind of person. My guess is you're with me on that. You want to live with that kind of expectation. But at the same time, when I talk about the best is yet to come, what I really know on a practical level is yes, there's things we can't control. We certainly couldn't control the pandemic and some virus that's made its way around the world. We can't control what the economy does. We can't control what other people do. But even though there's a lot that's out of our control, what we can control are the choices that we make. Does that make sense? As we think about this idea, the best is yet to come. The way that the best happens is when you and when I, when we together make God's choices for our lives. And so for January, we're thinking about this idea that God has a word for every single one of us. In fact, I have a friend that whenever I see him ask this question, he says, what's the good word? What's the good word? It's his way of saying, what's up? Hey, what's going on? Hey, what, what, what's been going on in your life? And I love that phrase, what's the good word? Because I believe God has a word for every single one of us. In fact, I want to encourage you to be preparing even now for the last Sunday of January, something that we call around here Rock Sunday, where we literally take a physical rock and we begin to write on it the word that we believe God has for us this year. And so I want you to prepare for that. Well, as part of that today, I want to look at an important passage of Scripture. Uh, Pastor Chuck threw out a few weeks ago this challenge for our church and our friends of the church to read a chapter of the book of Proverbs every single day. There's 31 days in January. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And for us to start the year by saying, God, we want to discover and live your best. God, we want to know what your word has to say about living practically every single day. And it comes down to the choices that we make. Well, one of the most famous chapters in all the Bible comes from Proverbs chapter three. It's written by David's son, a guy named Solomon, whom the Bible says is the wisest man that has ever lived. And so Solomon has this incredible wealth of knowledge and applied wisdom. And in the book of Proverbs, he's essentially passing it on to the next generation. He's writing to his son and he's talking about the importance of wisdom and seeking it out. 
And what's interesting is in chapter one and in chapter two, it's almost like he gives these external negative examples. And then when you get to chapter three and he's trying to convince his son of the importance of wisdom and seeking it out and having a word from God, he begins just to layer on top of another all of these positive reasons to trust God and to say, God, I want your word. I want to live by your design. And so what I want to do today is I want to take these five on the surface negative statements that come from Proverbs 3 and then show you the couplet that comes right behind it in Proverbs, the positive result of what happens when we shift from saying, I'm just going to live uh, by default to saying, I want to live by design. My guess is that's what you want for this year. What happens for a lot of us, myself included, is January 1 hits and we make this list of all the things we're going to do. We're going to strengthen our relationships and we're going to grow closer in our faith and we're going to start a Bible study with some friends and we're going to start living on a budget and we're going to try to lose the COVID-19 pounds and we're going to start eating kale again. And we make this huge list of things. And then if we're not careful, by January 10th, all those things are out the window. And instead of living a new year, what we find ourselves doing is living by default where we're just living last year over and over and over again. And so to apply that to my own life, instead of me living 42 years, in other words, if I'm not careful, I'll live one year over and over again, 42 times. And I don't know about you. I don't want to do that. I want a brand new start. So today we're going to dive into Proverbs 3. But before we do, I want to show you five negative statements that the author Solomon, the wisest man that's ever lived, makes. He says in verse 1, do not forget my teachings. So again, that's negative. Don't do this. Do not forget my teachings. Verse 3, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Again, that's a little bit negative. Don't do this. Don't do this. Verse 5, do not lean on your own understanding. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Verse 11, do not reject the discipline of the Lord. And so Solomon writes these things as he's passing them on to his son. What he's saying is there's some things I want you to avoid or not to do. But every single time Solomon says that, he gives a positive reason why. And one of the things we really believe around here is that if you want to truly live a satisfied life, that is found when you discover and live God's best. And Solomon gives us, gives us some great reasons why. Here's reason number one if you need one. And I'd invite you to write these down or jot them in, in the notes at. But reason number one to trust God this year for his word is it increases the peace of God in your life. It increases the peace of God in your life. Let me read these verses again to you. It says in verse one, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Why would Solomon say that? I think one of the reasons why Solomon would say that is because he knows that most of us have so much knowledge already. I mean, we've heard great lessons. We've been part of great small groups. We've learned lessons the hard way. We've had parents and grandparents and all kinds of people teach us things. And so the challenge isn't for 2021 having more knowledge. The challenge is doing something with that knowledge. The challenge is allowing that knowledge to drop out of our heads. And as Solomon would say, deep into our hearts, it's Solomon's way of saying, look, don't forget these things but instead apply them to your life. Here's what one translation says in verse two. It says, and if you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. 
I love that idea, the satisfied life. Because if there's anything that any of us need, it's that satisfied life. If there's anything any of us need, it's that sense of peace in our life. And if Solomon were sitting with us today, he would say the way that you get there, the positive result of getting there is when you keep God's commandments and you apply them to your life. Now, that sounds simple, but man, I want you to get this. There is a difference between knowing the truth and actually living the truth. There's a difference between having it in a notes app and writing it down on a piece of paper and having it written on our hearts. And so Solomon's writing to his son, he's saying, don't forget what you've learned, apply it to your life. And when you do, you get peace. Now, one of the interesting things is I know we've got uh, great opportunities online for kids and students. And so I know a lot of folks that are watching today, we're adults. And one of the things that happens in adulthood is it's almost like we, we loosen our, uh, our grip on some of the things that we know to be true. If you're a parent, you know what it's like to try to discipline your child and you know what it's like to try to encourage them to make wise decisions. And you know what it's like to try to get them to apply the truth. But at the same time, sometimes the older we get, the less we feel like it applies to us. I've got some friends that are single again in adulthood. And so they, they were married for a season and now they find themselves for whatever reason back in singlehood. And in some ways, the temptation there is to not apply the same principles that they applied the first time around, to not apply the same restraints in their relationship, to not, not protect their purity like they once did in the early days. And it's almost like they think it doesn't apply in adulthood. But when Solomon's writing, he's saying, don't forget these things. Don't put them by the wayside. Don't allow yourself to buy into the lie that you can live however you want to. Because what I know is that there's a lot of people that know the truth, but they're not actually living it out consistently. And because of that, there's not peace in their life. On the outside, they look successful. On the outside, they look like they're living it up. But on the inside, they feel a million miles away from God. And so if you need a good reason to trust God today, to say, God, I want your word for me, for me today, is he tells us right here, number one, you get to have the peace of God in your life. But there's a second reason. There's a second positive reason for trusting God and to say, God, I want your word this year. Not only does it increase the peace, but number two, we get to have relationships that work. We get to have relationships that work. And this is good news for us as we walk into a new year. Listen to the way Solomon described this. He says in verse three, do not let kindness and truth leave you, but bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and in the sight of man. He's talking about relationships. And I love this in verse two or in verse three because it's so practical. He says, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Kindness and truth are the two things all healthy relationships are built on. We need kindness and we need truth. And uh, I, I don't care what industry you work in or what, what sort of circle of sphere you're in. I know that one of the greatest things about relationships is people. And one of the most challenging things about relationships are people. I've talked to so many people uh, in lots of different industries that say a similar thing. I, I talked to a car salesman that says, man, uh, selling cars would be so easy if it wasn't for people. 
I've been going to physical therapy for about 12 weeks or so now on my shoulder. And, and it, that's a people business. Yes, it's a body business, but it's a people business. And my therapist was joking. He's like, man, this job would be easy if it wasn't for, you got it, for people. But the thing that can be frustrating is the thing that can make life so rich, relationships. And so Solomon's writing, he says, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Instead, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. What I think he's saying is, don't let these slip in every moment. Keep kindness and truth with you. Now, in the world that we live in, uh, typically people trend one direction or another. There's some people that are just so kind. They're just so kind that they, they, never, they never take a stand and then there's some people that are just so black and white about it that all they do is they tell the truth. I'm just going to tell the truth. I'm just going to tell it like it is. And they, they, you know, they find their identity and, well, that's just the way I am. I'm just that kind of domineering red leader. I'm just going to say it like it is. And both of those are good things in and of themselves. Being kind is really good and being truthful is really good. But it's even more powerful when you keep them in balance together. One of the things that a lot of us learned in 2020 is uh, the method that you use in a relationship trumps the message almost every single time. You could say the right thing in the wrong way and it have detrimental consequences. All of us, I, my guess is you've had some relationship that, that's fragile or maybe it's uh, uh, long gone by now. And if you were to trace it back, there is some missing element between kindness and truth. Here's what Solomon goes on to say. He says, so verse four, so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and in the sight of man. He's saying, look, you get to have a great relationship with God and a great relationship with other people. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be amazing as we go into 2021 as part of the word of God applying to our life is that, that some of those old relationships would be restored. Some of those fragile ones would be put back together. Some of those that have been surface level would go even deeper that we would be able to have favor with God and we'd have favor with other people. And isn't this good? I mean, what, what Solomon's talking about is so practical. He says, number one, we get to have an increase of peace in our life. Number two, we get to have relationships that work. A third positive outcome of trusting God with his word for our life is number three, we get to know and do the will of God. We get to know and do the will of God. Listen to how he describes this in verses five and six. And I know for many of you, this is, these are favorite verses. He says in verse five, do not lean on your own understanding. And we'll come back to that in a second. Do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Why would he say that? He says, do not lean on your own understanding. In other words, it's Solomon's way of saying, don't try to figure it all out yourself. And that's a good word for all of us. I mean, coming out of 2020, when, when so many of us at the beginning of March thought, we've got this figured out. I mean, the, the stock market was great. The economy was on the rise. We had a lot of plans in place that looked like a bright future. And then, boom, everything changed. Well, it's this reminder that no matter how good things look, we still need God. He says, do not lean on your own understanding. Don't think you can figure it out yourself without God's help. In other words, you may be smart, but be smart enough to know there's still things that you and I, we don't know. And so he says, do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. 
That's a way of saying in everything you do, lean on him. And everything you do, say, God, I, I need your help in this. God, I need your wisdom in this. God, I need your direction in all your ways. Acknowledge him. And I love this last part. And he will make your paths straight. He's talking about his plan for your life. One of the things we say around here a lot is that we believe that God wants us to discover and to live his best for our lives. That God has a best and he wants us to live it. And oftentimes for us to discover it, we're not going to figure it out ourselves. In fact, standing here, it was just a little over 12 years ago, 12 years and a month ago that I moved from North Georgia down here to Sugar Hill, Georgia. And uh, honestly, it was just this haphazard a series of events. I'd become friends with a former staff member here. I was working on a project with them. And over a course of months, started, they started planting the seed. Hey, what would it look like for you to move here? What would it look like for you to come and help out part-time here at the church? What would that look like? And never would I have dreamt 12 years later what God would do in my life through this church. It's been unbelievable. On paper, the move honestly didn't make sense. Talking it out with some of the people closest to me, they were, some of them were scratching their heads. Never could have I imagined what this verse literally says in verse 6, that God would use that decision to come here to make my path straight. Now, I want to pause here just for a moment. Solomon said so many good things already. I mean, if we stopped right here, I guarantee you it would be worth it. I mean, to think about having peace in our life to having stronger, more fruitful relationships, to get to know and do God's will. If we stopped here, honestly, that'd be enough for me today. But I believe that what Solomon goes on to say in these next few verses are so powerful. But before we step into those, I wanna pause just for a few moments. And I want you to think about what is it that you're asking God for this year? If you were to ask God, God, I need to know your will. God, I need to know your direction. God, I need to know your path for my life to discover and to live your best. What is that area that's sticking out right now? What is that big question mark? Whether it's a relationship thing, a financial thing, some career move, whether it's the retirement years, or maybe you're part of the younger crew that's watching today and you're just, you're trying to figure out, God, what do you have for my life? During this next song and just this this pause for worship, would you just take a moment And to really wrestle with that and to ask God during this next moment, God, would you help me do that this year? Would you help me to discover and to live your best? God, would you help me to go along this path and would you make my crooked path straight? We'll take this pause for a moment. We'll worship together and ask this question of God. And then we're going to come back. And there's two other big ideas that God wants to show us through Proverbs 3. Exceedingly, God of abundantly, more than we ask or think, Lord, you will never fail. Your name is powerful, your words unstoppable, all things are possible in you. God of exceedingly, God of abundantly, more than we ask or think.
God that we sing to and worship the one who, as the Apostle Paul described, is able to do exceedingly more than we could ever hope or imagine. And, and this God that we worship today, the one that, that we are earnestly seeking his will for our life and we want to discover and live his best for our life because we know that brings ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction and there's nothing else that can satisfy apart from him. But we're reminded as we sing this song that we don't have to fear and that we don't have to, um, to doubt that the Lord is working and at work in us and through us, even in the craziest of circumstance or season that may come our way. We don't have to fear and we don't have to doubt. And we, the people of God, have seen and we testify to his goodness and his faithfulness that he is the one who has made a way when it seemed like there was no way. Over and over and over again, his faithfulness is true and proven. And, and that's what we sing about in this song. There is no fear. Cause I believe there is no doubt Cause I have seen your faithfulness My fortress over and over I have a hope found in your name I have a strength found in your grace
One of the things I am so convinced of is that your heavenly father, my heavenly father, loves us so much that he would do anything to help us to discover and to live that out this year. And so, man, keep wrestling with that. In fact, uh, be ready by January 31st. Be praying, God, what is the word? If I could sum up, God, what you have for me this year, would you help me to know that? God, would you help me to know that in a word that you can put on that rock coming up on the 31st? Well, we've said a lot already this morning that uh, there's a lot of positive reasons for leaning into God this year and to say, God, I don't want this just to be in my head, but I want it to be in my heart. We've said, number one, we get to have an increase of peace in our life. And we need that. I, I, I need that. You need that. Number two, we get to have relationships that work. We get to have relationships that are built on kindness and truth, that there's substance to them and, and, and we're living them out authentically. We said right before the break, number three, that we get to discover and live God's will. We get to live out the will of God where he talks about making our path straight. He's saying that there's something I have for you. But a fourth positive reason of trusting God with every area of our life is we get to reach our full potential. We get to reach our full potential. Listen to what Solomon says down in verse seven. He says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Again, the, there's this repeating theme. Don't think you have it all figured out. Don't, don't allow your own logic to, to cause you to, do, to stray away from God. He says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Instead, fear the Lord, turn away from evil, verse eight, and it will be healing to your body. That word healing literally means completeness. It means wholeness. He's, he's not talking about our physical body. He's talking about the body of our life. He's saying, look, when, when, when you lean on God and you fear him in a healthy way, in other words, when you, when you esteem him, when you realize that God's not our equal, that God's not just a bigger version of us, but he's God, he's holy, that he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful. He's God when we have that healthy respect of him. What begins to happen is we begin to live out what he has for us. And when we get off of his throne and we begin to live out the life that he's called us to, man, we begin, he, as he says it, there's healing to our body. We get completeness in our life. We get wholeness of our life. It's this idea that we get really comfortable with this idea that God knows us best. And if God knows us best, then he actually knows what is best for our life. And so if I quit fighting that and I quit trying to reason on my own and I say, God, would you help me to live that out? Man, it helps us to reach our full potential. But I absolutely love this fifth reason. If you need a good reason why uh, you should trust God with your life today is number five, it's always for your own good. It's always for your own good. And I love throughout scripture, there's this balance of obviously we're living for God's glory. Obviously the world revolves around him, but as we discover and as we live God's best, it's actually what's best for our life. It's actually what's good for our life, that, that it's almost like we're taking out the owner's manual and saying, God, I want to live the way that you want me to live. Listen to how Solomon describes this. He starts in verse 11. He says, don't reject the discipline of the Lord. I've got to be honest with you. When I was young and I heard this verse, the discipline of the Lord, I had a crazy picture in my mind. I remember when I was a kid, uh, whenever I'd get in trouble, uh, you know, usually uh, my mom could just look at me and I would straighten up. I'm that, I was that kind of kid. My, my brother and I are different in that, in that regard. But there'd be times that, man, I didn't, I, I didn't know when to stop. And I just kept, kept picking or, you know, do, doing whatever I wasn't supposed to do. And, you know, every mom has used that phrase. You just wait until your father gets home. <laughs> Even just saying that, 
uh, has some flashback memories for me. And so whenever I read the word discipline, that's, that's where my mind first goes, the discipline of God. It's like, you just wait till your dad gets home and then my dad would get home. And uh, I'm of the age that I remember what it would sound like when the belt would come off. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where, where there's that sound of, or in my dad's case, it's more like, Who's a big dude, you know what I'm saying? And so whenever I read this verse, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm thinking that flashback. When I was a kid, timeout wasn't a thing. It was more like knockout, but anyway. <laughs> and so he, when I read this verse, I think, is that what he's talking about? But when I started researching it, that word discipline literally means pressure. So let me read the rest of these verses with that context. He says, do not reject the pressure or the discipline of the Lord. Don't loathe his reproof. For, listen to this, for whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son and whom he delights. In other words, God loves us so much that he, when he sees us in our self-destructive patterns, when he sees us living out of alignment with what he has for us, he loves us so much that he doesn't just step back and let us get away with it. Instead, he begins to take his finger and he begins to point at it and he begins to apply pressure. That's what that discipline talks about is that that God looks at areas of our lives that aren't aren't in alignment with him, that aren't in, in, in sync with what he has for our lives. And he begins to point out those areas and he begins to apply pressure to those areas. And the reason why he does it is so that we can turn back to him. And I'm telling you, it is always for our good. Now, what happens for a lot of believers is there are seasons in their life where they feel the pressure of God. There are seasons in their life where they feel like God's applying pressure and he's saying, hey, don't ignore this. Don't, don't act like this isn't a big deal. And God begins to apply even more pressure. But if we're not careful, we'll try to ignore that. If we're not careful, we'll try to act like it's not that big of a deal. If we're not careful, we'll try to be wise in our own eyes and we'll try to lean on our own understanding and we miss the opportunity of actually discovering and living God's best. So let me ask you a question today. As we lean into the rest of January, as we start looking forward to January 31st and the one word that God has for us for Rock Sunday, is there an area of your life that you're feeling the pressure of God? Is there an area in your life that you feel like God's pointing out and God's leaning in? If you feel that pressure today, would you turn that over to him? What I mean by turning that over to him is that that you begin to say, God, I'm, I'm tired of trying to figure this out myself. I'm tired of trying to overcome this myself. God, I need your help. Now, for many of you, the first place for that to start is to know him personally. If there's never been a moment that you've put your faith in Jesus, there's never been a moment that you've put your trust in Jesus, that's step number one to say, has there ever been a moment that you've turned from your sin and turned to him? If that's never happened, that is foundation. Step number one in knowing God's will for your life is to know him personally. But then for others of us that are watching today, maybe you already know him. There's been a moment that you've been changed by him and and, and, and he's changed you from the inside out, yet there's an area of your life that's out of bounds. There's an area of your life you're trying to figure out yourself and you're feeling the pressure of God. Maybe for you today is to pause and to say, God, would you forgive me of that? God, would you help me to repent of that? God, would you help me to turn from that and turn to you? 
before you leave today, I'd love to be able to pray with you and to pray for you. And so wherever you are, if you're able to, I'd love for you to bow your heads for a moment. I'd love for you to close your eyes. And I'm going to invite you to pray with me. The first part of this prayer is especially for those that have never said yes to Jesus. If that's you, you've never put your faith and trust in him, but you'd like to. Would you pray this part of the prayer with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for your unending love. I know that you died on the cross for my sins and I know that you're alive today. And as best as I can, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save me. Would you help me to live for you? If that's you and you've never done that, I would invite you even now, you don't have to say the exact words I say. It's not the words that make the difference. It's the heart behind it to say, Jesus, I need what only you can do in my life. But if you're a believer today, if you know Christ personally, but you're sensing his pressure, you're sensing him pointing at some area of your life, would you pray this part of the prayer with me? Dear Jesus, help me to be aware of the pressure. God, help me to be sensitive to the place that I know that you're pointing out in my life. And God, if it's a sin I need to turn from, help me to positively repent from that and turn from it. If it's an action I need to take, God, would you help me to be mindful of that and to have the courage to take it? God, if it's some relationship that I need to do my part in mending, God, would you help me to know that? And God, would you help me to do it? God, would you help me to discover and to live that out today? Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the promise of a brand new year. God, thank you for the hope that's in front of us. And God, I pray as best as we know how, would you help us to follow you? Would you help us to live this out? Would you help us to lean on you and not ourselves this year? We give it to you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been so great to be able to worship online, digitally with you today. If there's anything that we can do for you today, please drop us a note. You can drop it in the comments or you can drop us an email by emailing prayer at sugarhillchurch.com, prayer at sugarhillchurch.com. We would absolutely be honored to be able to pray with you and for you this week. Now, if you prayed with me this day about accepting Christ and taking that next step in relationship, would you drop us a note as well at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com? We'd love to know that you prayed that today and send you some free information, let you know how you can take next steps in your walk with Christ. Man, God has something big in store for us this year. There's something in front of us that I believe God is gonna blow our minds with. And so I wanna encourage you, don't just know the truth, live it out today and find somebody that you can show the love of Jesus to this week. God bless you guys. We can't wait to see you back here soon.